Welcome to After School Democracy, the podcast that attempts to fill in the gaps you almost certainly missed in school about politics, economics, and history. Last year sometime, I had someone request I do a video on free trade, as to certain people's shock that I was actually defending the TPP and NAFTA. Obviously, I'm a right-wing neoliberal if I dare defend free trade, unlike Bernie who vilifies it, though Trump also vilified it. Well, straight off the bat, I will say that I am 100% for free trade. It's great. However, it must be done in specific ways or the transition is utter hell on a nation. Mostly they're people at the bottom. And of course, thanks to the Republicans in charge, we only ever do anything that helps the rich and nothing to protect the little guy. We get free trade deals that end up wrecking the economy on the bottom, destroying good union jobs, and widening the income inequality gap. First off, we'll start off with the very real arguments for why free trade is good that the GOP rightly uses, and then go into the limitations and protections needed to make it work for everyone. First off, this is a theory that Adam Smith created in his book, Inquiry into the Wealth of Nations, and still holds up. Basically, every nation, just due to resources, skills, infrastructure, and logistics, has things they are better at making than other things. It's just the way it is. They could spend all of their man hours and money creating everything they needed, or they could focus solely on things they specialize in and create a much higher output value than they would by diversifying. The higher output value will be even cheaper to the world as economies of scale drop the prices. Thanks to strategic logistics and marketing, all of the factory jobs that America prided itself in during the 1900s can be done much more cheaply and affordably in Southeast Asia thanks to shipping lanes, raw materials, and the massive markets they have there. This would be true even if their workers were paid the same price as ours, though right now you pay about 20% less on Asian goods in exchange for terrible working conditions and low pay for their employees. If every nation has their speciality and they have them maximized to be the most efficient, the cost for everything in the world goes down. On top of that, the more interdependent we are on trade, the likelihood of going to war drops significantly. I know all my life growing up there was always a fear that since we made less and less in our country, that could be used against us if they wanted to cripple us in a war or finances. Of course, since everyone I grew up with was lower skill, they didn't realize that we actually make way more than we did back when we were making our own washing machines and TVs. It's just now much more automated and high tech. That along with food is our biggest and best export. High-tech items that can be made at massive scale with fewer but better educated workers. On top of that, as Trump's trade war has shown, we can also cripple people with finances in a mutually economic assured destruction. It's why 20 years ago, a high school diploma was enough to get you a decent job. Now you need at least a two-year specialized degree or journeyman to make the same amount of money. The lower-skilled jobs have all been shipped off overseas to places where the people are less educated and will use that money to better educate the next generation. Lastly, in the case of TPP, it could have been a good political soft power defense. TPP was supposed to create an Asia-Oceana block of trade partners with America at the head to compete with China. While its labor laws weren't great, they were still better than many in the agreement had at the time, and the same is true with environmental protections. Shredding the TPP ended up handing the Pacific over to China without a fight, and then when Trump unilaterally killed many of the trade deals with China just because he could, and China soon realized that nothing they did would get the trade deals back other than groveling and subjecting themselves to him, 
The one bargaining chip we had went away to protect Hong Kong, and it lost its democracy pretty much overnight. Then, of course, places like Georgia began passing voter suppression laws, and China gleefully did the same thing because we no longer had any moral authority or actually really cared about democracy like we claimed when we pretended to spread it all over the world at the point of a gun. Biden has not restored the trade deals with China, but he at least has demands so China now knows what they need to do to get another agreement. But they are still skeptical that America can be trusted to keep its side of the deal, as it was killed overnight by a president who wanted to look tough instead of actually understanding anything about trade markets, and Trump's trade war seriously hurt our farmers. Okay, these are all the positive reasons to open up the free markets to all. Higher efficiency, lower costs, better logistics, less waste, and less war. Now let's get to the very, very real problems of free trade and why the transition can be utterly devastating. First off, once markets open, there are a ton of layoffs. Local economies just got utterly wrecked. The Rust Belt in America used to be called the Steel Belt, but is now a hollow shell of what it used to be. And sadly, since we didn't maintain our rural infrastructure, the once advantage of lower cost of living and lower wages in rural areas no longer offset the advantages of cities with great infrastructure and a brain pool to pull workers from. If we could get Biden's infrastructure plan through, a lot of new business would suddenly find it worth starting up in smaller towns. Right now, it costs too much to do so, so in the Great Recession recovery, all the jobs that were rebuilt did so in the cities. Even if we had kept up our infrastructure, it would have still required a realignment of our infrastructure, but no, we didn't even do that when we passed these trade deals. Secondly, it's mostly the union jobs that got shredded. There is a big reason why the GOP supported and pushed free trade while unions strongly opposed it. Thanks to the Taft-Hartley Act, which crippled unions under the McCarthy and Truman era, union growth essentially stopped cold in his tracks. As trade opened up, instead of replacing union jobs with other union jobs, it was replaced with non-unionized workers, which is why some unions were so strongly behind Bernie on being against the TPP until Hillary finally decided to be against it too. Had Bernie spoke with any nuance about free trade, especially with what I just talked about and what I'll talk about further in the video, he could have probably been even better at convincing the American people of some of his welfare state plans as a good mechanism to offset the impacts of free trade transitions. But I've never heard even the tiniest bit of nuance from that man, or indications he understands anything I've mentioned, which is why I supported Warren over him. She at least knows what she doesn't know and is happy to listen to experts and dissenters. Thirdly, it moves our pollution overseas and is even worse and more dirty, and the workplaces get much less protected. TPP was supposed to offset some of that, but we didn't enter into it, so we didn't get to make those demands. Lastly, it required the workforce retooling and re-education or aligning the mental infrastructure of the nation. Unfortunately, education and government used this new demand to spike prices and the free markets take over the student loans, allowing them to use predatory tactics on dumb college kids who had no clue about what they were doing except knowing that college was pretty much the only way into the middle class. So instead of using this new demand because of free trade and the influx of money in student loans to lower prices on college via economies of scale like they do in Europe, they made it way worse. Just at the time that America was naturally hurting from opening up markets, which was like a surgery that would have had long-term benefits, the GOP kicked the next generation square in the groin, causing the wound to reopen, causing more wealth to bleed out. 
Before I move on, there is an extra problem with free markets that don't affect us, but they do and have heavily affected developing nations. When a developing nation has no real infrastructure or specialty to speak of, the nation needs to be able to protect certain markets via tariffs to allow their low-skilled workers a way to make a living until they can sort out what their specialty should be and have a firm foundation to build on in wealth generation. Yeah, America and Europe have been utter jerks to developing nations for years using the IMF and World Bank loans made by corrupt leaders to essentially hold their country hostage, forcing them to open up to all trade. We then flooded their nations with food and textiles, the few things a developing nation can pretty much easily do for itself. This put their farmers and textile workers out of business because these supplies now relied on global trends and food prices would fluctuate drastically based on global demand. If a nation could stabilize the prices like we did in our earlier years, it could actually be affordable to be a farmer. But one year, global prices are so low that farmers go bankrupt and the next year, the demand spikes so people go hungry because the cost of food is now way too expensive. The World Bank and IMF are beginning to slowly adjust this line of thinking and allow for some protections, but nowhere nearly enough. Vietnam used to have decent union protections, but to open its economy up after being embargoed by pretty much every nation, after getting bombed into the Stone Age and Agent Orange so crops barely grew, it required giving up quite a few of these worker protections. They have a plan to reinstate these protections in 2050 after they've built their infrastructure, but until then, their working conditions aren't so great in the nation. So what would be the perfect free trade agreement that would help everyone look like? Well, first off, keep the development level in mind and don't forcefully pry open trade deals for nations who don't have specialties yet. Next, for every big free trade deal, there must be a big infrastructure package to make us better at the new alignment of specialization so that rural regions don't miss out on all of this. Biden is planning a $2 trillion infrastructure package, which is decades overdue because boomers kept voting for people who refused to maintain it under the guise of fiscal responsibility while jacking up the debt on pointless wars and tax cuts for rich people. Retooling and education should be free in a globalized world. It must, or people lose most if not all of their wealth, and even then, many who do go back to school start a brand new field at a much lower pay than their old job they lost. It's why we must win more Senate seats in 2022 so he can pass legislation to cancel student debt, he promised, and make the first two years of community college free, something that should have happened along with NAFTA. Union protections should be top priority for any free trade deal and ensure that new union jobs, at least equally, if not more so, replace the lost union jobs. The PRO Act would gut much of Taft-Hartley finally giving unions back their teeth, but it's expected to go nowhere in the Senate either, unless we can somehow change the filibuster and somehow Manchin's mind. And lastly, there must be some form of UBI for at least the time it takes to adjust to a new trade deal. I believe it was Andrew Yang, though I could be misremembering, who pointed out that if we treated UBI as a gratitude for laborers' hard work and framed it as a way to thank them and help bolster them through the naturally rough spot of trade deal adjustment, people would accept it much better. A market disruption gratitude voucher as opposed to being framed as a handout. Hey, we made the market temporarily unlivable, so here's some money to keep you afloat while we work out the technical difficulties. Instead, we did all the worst things with our trade agreement. Cut welfare, jacked up the cost of college, and lost union jobs and droves. 
Free trade agreements require a welfare state. It is essential to them to work, which is why Europe is much better at them than the U.S. They actually have a social safety net and can do big economic and market adjustments without wrecking the bank accounts and long-term quality of life of their citizens for the most part. Instead of vilifying TPP, Bernie could have and should have used it as a reason why we need all these welfare state things, saying TPP was good, but only good with these additions, and they must go hand in hand or they would be horrible. And guess what? Adam Smith, who the GOP pretend to love, predicted all of these rough market fluctuations from free trade. All of them, though not in the specially screwed up way America did it. There is a claim on the left that the Democrats abandoned labor. That has an element of truth to it, but it's more that labor's political power evaporated. Dems betrayed labor unions under Clinton by not tying minimum wage to inflation so they could keep their unions loyal to them. But after that, labor stopped being a political force, dropping from 30% to 11% of the labor force. It was tech and educated labor that could give them the donations they needed, especially after the disastrous Citizens United, which is why they're accused of identity politics. Free trade is good, provided it has a welfare state, union protections, environmental protections, and infrastructure tied to it on both sides of the agreement. However, it's terrible, and while we probably won't ever get all that with a free trade deal, we still would have probably benefited long-term overall from the TPP. But now China won in that region. NAFTA created more jobs than we lost overall. The process of doing so, however, was absolutely brutal, and it was survival of the fittest at its worst. If we were protectionist in our trade, we could probably go without a social safety net as much as market fluctuations wouldn't be so hard, and there would be a lot more unskilled labor jobs, but then everything would be more expensive, everything would be more polluted and less efficient, and wars would be more likely to break out. We must embrace free trade, but we also embrace the welfare state and union protections, or all the gains we make from free trade will only go to the very top, and the poor will just get poorer, as we've seen over the past 30 years. If you want to know more about this subject, I highly recommend checking out Crash Course Economics, where they discuss this in several of their videos. So thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. I'm sure there was nothing controversial about this, and everyone will happily get along in the comments section, which you can do on the YouTube version of this video, or my Facebook page, After School Democracy. Link in the show notes. Just a reminder that I'm Anubis2814 on YouTube, and I have over 500 videos on different topics that I've made over the past 10 years. Please subscribe, and if your podcast site has the option, give me a like or review. If you think what I have to say informed you, consider supporting my Patreon. I'll be doing this podcast weekly and try to get it out on the same day, so I hope to see you here next week, ready to be filled with new ideas. Take care. This channel is helped tremendously by the generous supporters on Patreon. A big thank you to the wonderful Joe Taylor, Elias Garcia Guevara, and Ogrel for their support at the $10 a month Wapawet level. Please consider donating to my work if you can, and thank you all for listening.